Welcome to Lives, a show exploring our experiences in the world and how we might live well. I'm Stuart Chittenden, and my guest today is artist Rachel Ziegler, who talks about the role of material, media, and meaning in her work, influenced by a life connected to the Lutheran Church, both spiritually and literally, as a child inspired by the chapel's stained glass, and as an adult creating an artist community space in a decommissioned church. The church, that's interesting how it stabilized me and that I feel like I have this space with other artists that we can come back to and feel, I mean, that's that's my goal is to create a place for, you know, artists, migratory artists that, you know, it's nice to have that feeling of home, but, you know, maybe, maybe it has to look a little differently for us. Rachel Ziegler is a visual artist whose work is in numerous private collections and has been exhibited across the country. Ziegler works across many mediums to create works exploring personal stories while contemplating the role of technology and the mixing of time and symbols. Born in Denver, Ziegler grew up in Omaha as well as a few small towns throughout Nebraska. She graduated with a BFA in commercial art from Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska, then worked for the Bemis Center for Contemporary Arts before moving to Texas, where she created music and multimedia paintings while traveling and living primarily in that state. Since returning to Omaha, Ziegler has been co-creating Reformed, an artist community space in a decommissioned church in South Omaha while making mosaic murals and wall hangings. Rachel Ziegler, welcome to Lives. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much. How, how did art, whether it was an appreciation for it or the creation of it, first begin to show up in, in your life? Um, I, I would say the church with, you know, the stained glass. Um, I think that was, pr- I mean, probably very influential right away. <laughs> and, and the atmosphere of all of that. My mom um, was the first to draw in my presence and teach me kind of how to draw. And I remember her also being very influential in my young years, like, you know, being at home with her. You say stained glass. And and now, of course, I'm immediately mentally conjuring all of those images of stained glass that I've seen in my life, whether in person or online and it's always such I think an arresting experience to see to be inside a, a structure and to have multicolored light pouring in especially when it's one that you can sense the ambience is it's more than a cubicle in an office that there, there mm. is something about the space that is meant to move you so would you paint a little bit more of that picture about being um, in a space and, and, as it were, consuming the experience of this stained glass? The earliest church that that I can remember that we were in was actually here in Omaha. And I guess it was, like you said, the ambiance and the feeling of it. And it had to have also been, you know, the singing and the, the feeling of just awe and wonder that a church and 
people who are in worship, how that is invoked in in that time and space. And, um, you know, I even remember the floors, especially maybe just because I was so little and close to them, the larger slabs of, it was just a, a larger tile job of, of slab rock that I thought was really beautiful. I, I, and just, you know, the choice of materials, the substantialness of it, you know, like how strong it was. Um, I guess the symmetry of a church and how it's organized. I mean, I know a lot of people probably these days, especially when we talk about the patriarchy, you know, it's associated with that, which this all goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's, you know, it worked, you know, on me as a child to you know, make me feel certain things and, and was, yeah, absolutely how I was first inspired to create. I love that imagery and how you were thinking about and obviously continue to think about material and form and substance. What else stands out to you from your childhood? Clearly, it sounds like church was a, a feature, but what else stands out to you? Well, my, my grandpa was a carpenter and I would work with him in his workshop. Uh, it was like one of my favorite things to do uh, as a young child. And um, he was, you know, aside from that, also a very religious man. But um, yeah, just I loved working with material with him and being his helper, um, the smell of the wood shop and just, you know, being alongside and learning how to how he cut small shapes out with the jigsaw and um, can't just I think I just love being in his presence and and um but it was also something about working together that that I really enjoyed and so what about your grandparents that your your grandmother your other grandparents and, mm-hmm. and then perhaps what was the context of your mom and dad well the grand grandfather that I'm talking about was actually my mom's father and um and it's interesting because <laughs> that my mom's side was very Lutheran, going way, way back many generations. Um, a lot of my ancestors, like going back to great, great, great grandparents, I believe, are buried in a cemetery in Worms, Nebraska, which is a small town um, in western Nebraska that I I grew up in for a short amount of time. Um, and so that family um, is is the family that my grandfather came from, the the carpenter, and um, and so they have also all that Lutheran heritage. Where my my father is actually a Lutheran minister, and from what he's told me, he came from a more hedonistic kind of family to some extent. <laughs> Although his own parents were Lutheran, um, or and and he was baptized and confirmed in the Lutheran Church, but um, but yeah, I I I learned like later in life when I looked more into my family history as a more mature adult that um, a lot of my connection to the church came from my mom's side and my you know my grandpa thinking of working with him in the in the workshop and all of that I I you know now kind of recognize that connection to my ancestors and the church through all of that like being really meaningful you know um, that uh, has it's really influenced me in terms of my coming home, you know, journey and uh, reconnecting with all of them and understanding kind of where I came from. And what did you do as a kid? Too, I'm always curious. It sounds like you were born in Denver, but it sounds as if much of your childhood and, and these formative years 
was spent a little bit in Omaha and around small towns in Nebraska. I'm just curious, like, what else did you get up to? Oh, well, we were pretty active as kids. Um, you know, we, we played around the neighborhood a lot. Uh, I remember, yeah, I was a pretty typical kid. I, we moved, it felt like we moved or I moved at least to a different school every few years, uh, either a new home or a new school. It felt very frequent that we would move. Um, but I always had a lot of freedom and it got to be more and more freedom because we moved to smaller and smaller towns. <laughs> so, we, you know, biking all around the neighborhood, um, being out until sunset on my bike. I mean, that was pretty normal. Um, yeah, I, uh, I feel like we, you know, we, we were just a pretty, pretty typical family in the sense that like we had parents that, you know, were really good at giving us um, everything that we needed along with like structure and discipline. And um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think like what else the fun things that we did were, um, yeah, just a lot of outdoor stuff. I wanted to watch TV probably like any other kid and my mom let me a little bit but <laughs> I mean yeah uh, a lot of my my mom was really good also at um, just having chores and you know structure with all of that um, I feel like we had a pretty good uh, like Protestant work ethic put into us but then you know got to got to play outside all the time and, and why were you moving as a family as uh, often as you said every few years well my dad was a minister and so it was a lot of you know for his work so he would take a what they call you know a call you know with a different church um and uh at one point he took the call to go to a seminary which uh before that he wasn't technically ordained as a minister hadn't gone to school for that so um so we did move to indiana for a short amount of time for him to go do that and um and then we were back to nebraska uh a year and a half after that and that's kind of where we moved around more small towns where he went from being like an associate pastor at one place and then and then a senior pastor at another and and so you know the the whole call process is kind of interesting you know when you're mixing it in with like a career but but a lot of it was because of his career and calling so when did you realize that you either were an artist or that that was something you could pursue I remember my mom telling me when I was six, you know, of course, I think a lot of people have this memory. Oh, you're an artist because I like drew a rainbow or something. <laughs> but but um, it really stuck. It kind of stuck with me throughout all of my schooling. I was always the artist in the class. I was always asked to draw things. I remember when I was, I think in second grade, I drew some like image of the Simpsons family doing something and then I sold it to a kid that you know he really liked it so <laughs> one of the earliest memories of like selling some art and I was always doing cartoons during church and one of the congregants like I think somebody who was you know established in the church said oh wow you're really good and I think they worked maybe in some kind of I don't know, creative industry. And they said, now, if you just draw those faster and faster, you know, just get like, you'll get different expressions and, and different, you know, ways of doing things. And so I was always supported in that way. I was always given support and told that I was, uh, I was gifted in that way. But I don't think I really 
believed I could do that as a career, I guess, until maybe my late 20s, I, I would say. Maybe around 28, 29, I started to actually, you know, I had a studio and I would show up every day and I would and I would just sort of fumble through things. And then um, and then eventually, you know, I had a process that I enjoyed and I you know, could produce a, a body of work with. So before you even get to that point, then you've committed. So before you get to your late 20s and realize that this is a profession for you, you've committed to go to university to do your BFA. What led to that decision? Why did you go to study art? Mm. Well, I was I was encouraged to go to school in the first place by my family, um, and I did I did apply to Kansas City Art Institute, and I applied to Concordia University, which is where my parents met, where my grandparents met. <laughs> <laughs> and um, some aunts and uncles have met, and I, um, I got into you know both, and was offered a scholarship to both. But my parents said, "Now we'll help you if you go to Concordia." You know, they wanted me to go there, and I, you know, I checked out all options. I, I checked out also uh, UNK University of Nebraska at Kearney and Uni- University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and you know, Concordia really had a beautiful campus. And, um, and I went to an art summer camp there, I had already met the professors. I mean, it was just the easy way, you know, it was. uh, And by that time, too, I mean, I have to admit, like, my, I rebelled quite a bit as a teenager, probably from the ages of 14, 15 to 16, 17. And then I, I really had a, I don't know, an awakening, I guess, at 17. And I, I started to apply myself and, and pay attention and, and feel responsible for my actions more and maybe repentant to some extent, <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, but Concordia just, I, I yeah, it, it made sense. It made sense at that moment. And still today, you know, I'm thankful for the guidance and, and the experience that I got there. I'm a sucker for a love story so a recent guest shared how he was in college in california that's where he met his wife it sounds to me like your family thought given their history that concordia was going to be your opportunity not only to get a degree but also (laughs) a life partner yeah they call it your mrs degree (laughs) (laughs) and uh, most people the most women they talk about getting that at concordia (laughs) yeah i almost did i was engaged yeah it almost worked It actually was the, I had an opportunity to get a master's after I graduated that would have been, um, I don't know that I would have, it, it would have been a full, full ride, but it was at Irvine Concordia. And instead, because I was engaged to be married, I went and joined my my fiance in Cape Girardeau, Missouri for a very short amount of time. It, it was, um, it, it, it didn't work for me to go down that road um and so yeah they 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 were happy to have me back now i think they're a little bit more like well i mean they've given up on the mrs degree a little (laughs) (laughs) back then it was easy for them to understand and now i think they're like scratching their heads a little bit like (laughs) why why is it harder for rachel Let's talk a little bit about your art then. Um, Mm. I'm still struck by 
how visceral you made it feel being a child talking about the smells of your grandfather's woodshop and the substantiality of the stone floor in the church and the color and vibrancy and the the ambience that's with the flooded light through the stained glass windows there's all these elements that speak to something really material but also in those contexts something really i think ephemeral and maybe spiritual so could you share a little bit more about your interest in art in terms of the materials and the, and the media that you began exploring and, and perhaps how that's developed over time mm. yeah um i started you know school doing more graphic design and illustration and you know got a, a lot of skills and technique like and and just um a, a lot of drawing and and basic kind of uh techniques that artists learn uh and then i i think one of my earliest well yeah my senior thesis was multimedia with um clay and some branches that i had formed a nest with uh it's funny to think about all this because it's like i went from 2d essentially to doing a senior thesis and like multimedia like all over the place and i was very influenced at that time by ann hamilton who was an artist that um uh, my college professor had introduced me to uh, and uh, you know i just i i loved what what she was up to and some other artists that were doing installation work um so then you know Fast forward to me in my studio later in Omaha, and I, I'm doing more um, very surface uh, pieces, layering ink, and I'm trying to remember like a series before that. But it's also it's it's sort of interesting because I went from like this installation work, multimedia, to doing these very simple pen and ink drawings that were very layered. Um, but there's something to like. Re- repetition layering and a building up of uh of elements to create depth and an atmosphere uh, of mystery and something otherworldly uh, and then now uh or I, I should say maybe 10 15 years ago i started working with wax and and that's sort of I feel like a, a nice material to kind of describe some of, I mean, it just is, it makes sense that I chose it, you know, given my upbringing <laughs> with the church still, I feel like there's a lot of metaphor and, um, you know, there's a, a lot of forgiveness in using it too. Like a lot, of, it takes on a whole different form, obviously when it's, when it's warmed and then when it cools, it's hard. Um, and now, I'm doing more mosaic work, which is very construction based and and very, very all about the material and all about strength and durability. Um, I look back at all of my thoughts of like trying to make things archival and like last for a long time. And and it's really funny because, you know, know, everything is temporary. Nothing lasts forever. And, you you know, you kind of just laugh at yourself like at the idea that you're going to make something that's like whether it's a two-dimensional piece out of like layers of of photos and wax that's going to like uh, survive floods and fires or whatever somehow you know <laughs> and then doing mosaic work too on buildings and then 
it's not what it's about, you know, it's not what it's about. But there is something in that material with the wax and, and also the glass, the broken glass that um, I feel like I've arrived at these materials that I'm, I, I feel very like connected with, like with my process. I would imagine with any creative art, with any many aspects of our lives, it's hard to look back at ourselves and see what we did, what we've done, what we've produced, and somehow to maintain a straight face. Uh, mm. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes we should be and can be uh, proud of what we've produced and our legacy. But I, I think that can be a hard task. When you look back at your work, is it hard? to wrestle with what you achieved then, the accomplishments that you were able to to manifest and, and perhaps what you were exploring? Or do you just see this part of one long body of experience? I, I have some pieces I've done that I, I'm like, well, I didn't feel very connected to that work maybe. And I hate to name it because I don't want anyone to feel less of, about it because it was a public art piece. And so it was a commission. And it's not like I I, I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I had done it differently. Yeah, I, I have to laugh at some of the misconceptions I had about myself and the world, you know, when I was making certain pieces. But yeah, I, I guess... It's, it's that and also I see it all as a continuum and an evolution. I, I think most artists, you know, they make like art. They, they wish they could just, well, they burn it or they get rid of it. I, I would say it's, you got to laugh at it. <laughs> we'll talk about the, the public art and the murals and the mosaic work that you're doing now. Mm. But I, I did want to talk a little bit about some of that wax work that mm. you were talking about. Is it an encaustic process? Is that mm, yes. part of this? So I wonder if you wouldn't mind just explaining just a little bit about that, just because I, I saw a mm. piece in your studio and I really understand that layering and the color and the visual motifs in there. So I'm curious about how you went about the process of creating these pieces, what they look like to the viewer, and also why, what you were sharing through those. Mm, yeah, those are really fun for me to try to d describe because they started as um, me looking at my camera phone and seeing like all these tiny images on the screen like we, we do and and finding that there was a pattern and a rhythm in that. And I started to print like index sheets essentially that I and, and they looked really beautiful to me and I wanted I don't know why I felt like I wanted to play with preserving those as a painting or, or an idea, I guess. And so I started to incorporate wax by painting over them with wax. And and I guess almost as if they were um, some kind of like a tablet or like a relic of, of the past, but it was actually a technological print, you know, like a, a modern day technological uh, thing that I had created um, and and then that evolved into actually more of the process where it's like a, creating a um, maybe a non-objective image with with photos layered and 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 the whole process is just ridiculously like <laughs> fussy <laughs> but I love the the like I said the layering and then the mystery that the wax feels like or the the ambiance that it creates because there's sort of like this this haze and and this build up around certain areas and and 
but I mean, just to get a, a photo to lay down and then to wax over it, I mean, it's just like thin layers of wax, heat it with a heat gun, and then, you know, put wax on top of the photo and clear it, heat it long enough so that that wax clears and you can actually see the photo because you usually have like brush strokes and little bubbles in it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like looking at the process from more objectively, like it's really it's a little insane. I mean, <laughs> but I even remember, um, I think it was Jody Boyer, um, who you might know here in Omaha, and I think she lives in Iowa. She had done a, a show, this was when I was living in Omaha, of these photos that were encased in wax. And, and they were really, you know, just it just adds like this beauty. Um, and I'm sure I know there's countless artists who have done it before, but I just wanted to push it to the max. I just I just love the idea of it being I mean, too, like glue was just, you know, something that would eventually deteriorate or fall apart. I figured, you know, that I feel like for an art conservator, multimedia pieces, mixed media pieces in their collection in a uh, museum collection are like their worst nightmare, I imagine. And um, and that's when I was like thinking too, way too much about archival quality maybe but <laughs> but um but yeah I don't know if that answers your question I just I I feel like the wax was first really to um to preserve these images and these ideas and and it and really like my exploration of the world you know getting these images of my environment because I had just moved at the time to San Antonio and I was just I was so in love with like what I was seeing like just on the ground level of like what I was investigating on the river walk and and things so I, that was you know what inspired me was just like how to take these like images these snapshots in the age of technology where we just have tons and tons and tons of them and actually do something with them that felt um I guess like timeless somehow or like they could be held like in this way that they were almost for like not for not forever you know <laughs> almost like you know like you could create these pieces that were um maybe worthy of being in a place like a museum or a church I guess as, since that's where I came from that's sort of like what you know, has it been in my mind sort of influencing my path a little bit, so. You know, in your artist statement, there's reference to you incorporating and exploring personal stories alongside subjects of time and symbology and sort of the representation of those experiences. Is this what you were trying to explore a little bit with, with these works that you've just described? And what are you hoping, insofar as you want the viewer to have an experience from these, what were you hoping that they might take away from that exploration? Well, for me, I guess I was playing with that idea that everything happens at once, like this concept that, you know, we can, <laughs> what our experiences are as we're like here for this limited amount of time. Um, it can, it can be blown up into these like bigger stories that can be related across time and space. Um, so like for one of my pieces, I remember there was a neighbor. She was um, she was pregnant and she was having a really hard time because her boyfriend was a drug dealer and abusive. And, and so she'd be over at my studio a lot. Um, and she had they had these two dogs. They were both pit bulls. One was named Zeus and one was named Diamond. And um they 
they became subjects in my work, the Zeus and the Diamond. I, I just also became titles in my works. Just, I mean, they, the whole world around me was alive with like story at that, you know, and it still is. But like at that particular time, it was just, I mean, with those works, they, it was just like all these everyday experiences were incorporated into them, but then blown up into these like larger narratives that I felt were relating at that time. I was a little bit more on top of like what was happening in contemporary culture and, and the arts. And I, and I do feel like they kind of related to like what was hap- what was going on at that time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I borrowed like Miley Cyrus's sad bear faces off of her MT. What was that? The um, MTV Music Awards? Or that I can't remember. The terrible performance she did. I don't. <laughs> but yeah, it was these messes of these collages. They were like, they were really playing with like all these different elements, and and like the the Venus de Milo being a part of them, and like you know that piece called Diamond with like this crazy diamond shape, and those very. Um, I don't know, non-objective in how I was like interpreting it. And then, um, I don't know, firecrackers were a big thing for these pieces and cosmic elements like stars and very romantic, just over the top. But um, yeah, kind of in my own playful way, you know, trying to kind of condense time and space. Obviously, there's a piece of you in them because you're a creator, so you're channeling yourself. But I'm, I, I guess maybe what I'm asking is... Are there little hidden pieces of you, whether it's that 15-year-old rebel still, Mm. that playfulness you just referenced? There's something about your character that if you look closely at the work, you'll understand that this really is an expression of who you are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's no hiding. I mean, you know, as much as I might try, and I don't mean to, it's just the church girl in me. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't look at this dark side over here. I mean, all those pieces have it in in a way, and and they're all very. Those especially the ones I'm thinking of, they're very complicated, and they have a lot of me in them. <laughs> and, and so now you're doing more work around murals, mosaic work using glass and tile. Would you share a little bit more about what those pieces uh, comprise and what they're trying to share? The first, um, you know, time I considered working with those materials was doing a mural, you know, because I was asked to redo a mural that I had done in Worms, Nebraska, and um, they, the at the time it was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and this town has only a church and a bar, so I said, why don't we do a mural about the 500th anniversary of the Reformation? And the, the building was right across from the graveyard where my great great grandparents are buried and all these all these people who you know are in the Lutheran way and um, it made a lot of sense uh, it made it made sense for me to work with those materials because I'd been working as a collage artist before so when I thought about approaching a wall and doing a mural I thought let's do mosaic and also I'd been living primarily in Texas and traveling a lot to Mexico and and then seeing a lot of of mosaics in, in in those places, so I really you know have to give a lot of credit to the people who and, and artists who influenced me and those cultures that influenced me during that time. I came out putting a, a mural together for a rural rural Nebraska town that looked very southwest and. <laughs> Like it was from somewhere, I mean, maybe not totally somewhere else, but, um, you know, the congregation loved it. I mean, in the end, I think, um, 
I think I know the pastor really felt like the the actual composition belonged. Um, but yeah, now working with stained glass and thinking about those materials um, and working with the church that have been repurposing, um, you know, I guess this fantastic image of just like how, you know, you blow these buildings and not apart into different but they do they become whole different things and so you know being able to recycle and reuse these elements is like meaningful to me and to use them in the context of working with community to maybe beautify a space or memorialize um an event or um uh, a person maybe um yeah i i feel like i'm probably trying i'm trying still to come home to my where I I belong with it um and then you know thinking of how I come from people who are builders and communicators and um and so this material makes sense like when I approach these public art pieces I'm really struck by the work that you're doing now in the space that you are doing in and in the interim in your artistic practice there was a period of time that you were living and working in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so what was it that took you to Texas? Oh, it was um, it was an airman. <laughs> it was a pilot <laughs> who I met. Actually, I was I was on my way out of Omaha. I had quit my job at the Bemis and I was fascinated with just the idea of being like having a wide open road ahead of me. I thought I was going to teach English for a little bit in Thailand or something like that. I looked down all these avenues of of how to go about like a, I I mean, I have to go back. Um, I looked into going back to school first to get a master's degree. (laughs) And I got into a program at um, California College of the Arts and I got, um, you know, the bill of like how much it would cost. And I was like, you know, I haven't traveled. So I I looked into teaching English and um, and doing these different things, and then I was like, no, that's still it. Feels like the great adventure I want to participate in is like just no no idea what I'm what I'm gonna do other than like backpack essentially. So. Uh, at that time, of course, that's when I meet this other very adventurous person who's very stable in their career and, and really wanting to like, you know, he really pursued me and was a beautiful person. Uh, so I backpacked for maybe like, I don't know, a few months at most <laughs> and then missed him. And I actually had like a, a an accident on my bicycle at one point and long story short, ended up in Austin, Texas with with him and um we started a little life there and then uh later moved to san antonio and yeah the adventure continued in terms of your artistic practice how did all of this change of scenery change of environment so omaha smaller towns in nebraska working in omaha again and now going to texas before of course you returned to omaha in the last few years. How have all these change of environment affected your artistic practice and the kinds of stories and experiences you wanted to explore with your art? Well, I would say I I really miss a lot of people and a lot of places. But I and I think that's a, my personality too. I remember when I was little when we first moved to Indiana, I was 10 and I just missed Nebraska and I thought Nebraska was the greatest place in the world. <laughs> and so and this is where maybe 
as a singer songwriter more I could express those things I I was you know having these like when I had the longing for a place or a person you know that's when songs come out and so yeah I still feel like I want to be in so many different places at one time and uh, it's quite frustrating honestly it's very frustrating because I look at a lot of my friends and peers and they have like more stable lives and are just situations like with the house and you know like the kids and the partner and 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 I want that too, <laughs> you know. But but um, you know, to really own you know who I am at this point, it's like you know, and they just like I miss so many p- people and places that so much that I really hope to be back to like that time when I was leaving the Bemis to where like I can have that on the road adventure now with now with my son, you know, <laughs> being with me and and my dog and. I feel like I'm just like more and more a child in a way where I just want to keep like <laughs> keep this adventure going. <laughs> but the church, um, I know I'm kind of going off track, but like that, that's interesting how it stabilized me and that I feel like I have this space with other artists that we can come back to and feel. I mean, that's that's my goal is to create a place for, you know, artists, migratory artists that, you know, it's nice to have that feeling of home, but you know, maybe, maybe it has to look a little differently for us, you know. You've used the word church, and I think that is both a reference to a spiritual inclination and set of beliefs, a way of being, a religious practice, but also it's a physical place. Mm -hmm. And so you've talked about what that was like for you as a child, and it's continued to be a part of your life in in various ways. But right now, when you talk about church, you're talking about a space that's in South Omaha, mm-hmm. which is a decommissioned religious building. It's a space where artists can come together and be creative mm-hmm. collaboratively, but also in a shared environment. Let me stop describing it and ask yeah, you, no, please, to, to, <laughs> really, to actually describe what is this place? Uh, well, yeah, and it's, it's funny because I do feel like this space is, is, to me, it's almost like one of my paintings or something where I'm like, I don't know what it is yet. It's still, <laughs> but you described it wonderfully. It, it is. Um, in the in the basement, there is five art, artist studios, and then um, on the main level upstairs, there is the original sanctuary um, that is used for performance and, and gathering space. Um, so yeah, it's it's a space for artists and for community to come together. And um, I would say it's like I. I, I I would love for it in 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 a way to evolve into. I can't I can't quite put my finger almost like a. And it's an artist community for people who want to live in community and create in community. Um, at the time when I first got it, I was even you know I just done this mural with the with the Lutheran Church, and I was I was open to like what if it was, uh, you know naively I was like what if the Lutheran community wanted to use this as creative space that wasn't that wasn't real for like what I could do and what my family was willing to do with me. At the same time, I just I felt like I just wanted to be kind of like this little church mouse creating art and you know held within a community. Um, so that's what it's becoming more and more, and I I'm trying 
trying to figure out how to do that in a way, in a way where and in a time when relationships are sort of difficult and challenging, um, whether you're an artist or you know anyone <laughs> living and working in this day and age with uh, modern technology and you know going through a pandemic and everything. So um, the real work of that space to me more and more is is relationship, and I'm still learning, like we all are, how to be in better relationship with with people. When you were sharing the story about your grandfather in the woodworking shop, one of the words that you used to describe that experience was collaboration. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a feature of what you're describing here with this church, which which the name of the place is called Reformed. Mm-hmm. With that theme of collaboration, why is that important to you? It seems to have persisted in your life. Why is this? Hmm. I guess it's important to me to relate with people. I there's been times when I I just want to be a little studio rat, you know, like not talk to anybody and just like figure out this. And I still I still like I have such a tension in me of like, you know, I'm burnt out on like hanging out with people after you know one night out or like hosting something. You know, I need to refuel for several days. I'm not a complete extrovert, but. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love astrology, and like I look at all the readings for myself, and it's like you're a Libra all the way. <laughs> it's all about connecting and <laughs> relating with people, but then you also have this like your Moon in Aquarius, and that's like where you like want to like hide away and like be, you know, this other way. So, and I think also that's like what we're here to do you know as people (laughs) regardless of what your sign is and whether or not you like astrology i think we're meant to you know bump up against each other and like learn from each other and like walk with each other run with you you know and then part ways and do it with other whatever you know like it's that's how we evolve and that's how we learn and grow i love what you're describing (laughs) and so let me be the downer (laughs) <laughs> um, early on, you said you, you referenced your first experience of selling art was this Simpsons drawing that you created. <laughs> yeah. So early, you weren't even in your teens yet. You're selling artwork, mm. um, and then you described you know in your later twenties, you really developed the profession, the the business of being an artist. I love how you're describing this space, the the purpose of it, but then there's practicality. Like you're you're a landlord. Mm-hmm. And right. you have artists, collaborators, but there are real-world implications. Mm-hmm. Like the place needs to be maintained. There, I'm sure there are financial implications. There's organizing people, and I don't think that's necessarily easy. So, why mm-hmm. did you take on those aspects of this as a, insofar as it is a business? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, I guess I didn't really think about the business part. I still try not. I do now more and more <laughs> have to. <laughs> but now I was just undaunted and naively just like, yes. When I saw the building, I was I had sold my house in Midtown. I had a little chunk of money that I'd never had quite that much before. And I was like, I better get something with this, you know, <laughs> but um, and and I was really open to like, well, that could be like a little house over in San Antonio or Galveston. And then the, this church popped up and I was given this opportunity to, you know, step in and, and do something. And I was like, I can't say no to this. This is like it feels like it was something that's meant for me to do. But then, you know, I 
I feel like a lot of people looked at me like I was nuts for even my dad was like, what are you doing? How'd you find that? I'm not helping you with that. Just so you know, <laughs> like there were other people, you know, I'd show maybe at, a, you know, an art gallery where I was like, what are you going to do with that? You know, and I didn't really know other than to start throwing some parties, maybe <laughs> have people over, you know, do the garage sales, uh, have some, I mean, really it was artists that, you know, brought life to it. I owe so much to so many people. I mean, of course, the Lutheran family and church who helped me with the process initially getting it. And then all these other co- creative collaborators who have like, just listened to me, helped me, like supported me through all of it. My mom and all the church ladies at like the very first event that we threw were serving pot roast, sauerkraut, mashed potatoes and green peas. I I can't leave those out. Um, (laughs) Like to all the neighbors, all the people we could get there and, and former church members to let them know that all these things would be sold. I just knew that it was a place to bring people together and i knew and i think i just love a challenge too and like if i'm if i'm going to live out maybe like some kind of i don't know character of some kind like when i think about coming home to like where i belong it all made sense even the neighborhood that it was situated in i mean south omaha has become largely um populated with immigrant families from mexico and central and south america and i um yeah, I felt quite at home after, you know, living in San Antonio and traveling to Mexico City. And and it felt quite surreal, you know, to be home, quote unquote, in an environment like that. Um, so I didn't really question like the business part. I was just like, I mean, let's just see what happens. You know, this just seems like I, I told the people who who helped me in in transferring all of it over. They they asked what I was going to do with it. And I said, mosaics and music, you know, because that's what I had been up to. And um, and they saw that that's what I had been up to. I mean, because they clearly I had, you know, I had charmed them singing some songs and doing a mosaic with them. And they were so trusting and, you know, and hopeful and, and generous to to allow me the opportunity. So we all just, you know, blindly on faith, like said, OK, let's do this. <laughs> I love that you use the expression sort of blindly on faith. I love that you also referenced that you were where you belonged. Mm. And so I want to ask, clearly you've talked about your faith background uh, and a long tradition in the Lutheran faith. How has that church context, how has faith influenced your art and you as an artist? Well, I would say it's the thing that probably keeps me pushing and and working in a, a towards something. You know, it's um, it's, I've said this already maybe, but like I still feel like I'm coming home to that part of myself. You know, uh, I I struggle to s- stick with like um, a religious practice, like going to a church consistently, like the rest of my family, um, but I realize at least for me like those rituals and practices are so important to have in my life for me to stay on an even keel um for me it's swimming and yoga and walks with my dog and i i still wonder if i'm missing out or if i have i have somewhere i'm i'm meant to connect with in the way that my family does with their church but um yeah i guess to go back to the idea of faith um I feel like I have a very strong faith, actually. I just don't quite know how to name it at times. 
I have a lot of romantic ways of talking about it <laughs> and describing it in songs that I've written that I feel like are for something other than like, you know, a person in my life. And it's for a larger, higher power. So I long to be closer with that other side, you know, like a lot of artists, I think, you know, I feel like we maybe don't feel comfortable all the time here on this planet. And we're like, <laughs> why, you know, why aren't things like, why aren't we all together and getting along? <laughs> so, you know, seeking understanding through different religions and faith. I, I haven't like explored it a lot, like the idea of going to like, a, you know, becoming a theologian or something like that and be able to speak to all this. Like, I'm not sure if that's for me, but sometimes I think, I think about it. I'm like, maybe I should, you know, so that I can speak about it better because what I've been doing with the church and the things that I try to communicate, I think come across, you know, maybe, I don't know. It, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's not going to be taken as seriously as it could if I did have some of those, that practical language behind me. You know, I asked how your faith had influenced your art and you as an artist. And I'm wondering how your exploration of art mm. as, a, as a means of expression has influenced how you think about faith? Well, it's making me remember something I know I already, I shared with you in a prior discussion about like one of my influences being an artist uh, maybe who created something that is so, like, well, I think of Salvation Mountain, like in California. It's like these pieces where the artist is just so enraptured, like with, you know, their faith and this, um, this awe that they're experiencing and they create this very beautiful thing. And, and like flocks, people are like flocking toward it. Like huge numbers of people are flocking toward this that don't maybe, you know, relate to the messaging or any, they don't, they aren't religious at all, but they just love how it looks and how it makes them feel. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's kind of what inspires me is this idea that we can be on this earth and have that that come through us. Uh, so I yeah, it feels a little I don't know. I feel like lucky and privileged that I get to like feel those things that I was raised in a family that like like ha gave me that experience, and that as an artist, I further explore. I'm still unpacking it and exploring it further but you know that essentially you know through religion like we're given so much context for like how we can explore those things still so you and i last night went to see a show we went to see a performance and it was the story of a person that was considering becoming a nun and it was a very moving story but she invited the audience to self-identify as saints mm. and i i wasn't asked but i told you afterwards that i self-identified as the saint of bad teeth mm. and you said the first word that came to your mind you said i am the saint of harlots <laughs> <Yes>. and i <laughs> but here we are talking about this and mm. I, and so <laughs> what prompted that like how, how do you see yourself in that way oh goodness i think <laughs> I just like saying the word sometimes. It's such a funny word to me, but uh, and very extreme for describing a woman these days. I mean, I don't know. It's it means prostitute and whore, and I don't really think of myself as any of those things. But I guess I I do feel 
there's a, a terrible double standard for women in the world still. And um, most of the world, all of the world. <laughs> and it's like the oldest profession, <laughs> like being a harlot or a prostitute is like this carried civilizations onward and upward for so long. And I found myself in, in situations where I've been the muse and I, I've been approached just nonstop by people, whether I like it or not, you know, and as a woman, just, you know, whether I, whether I, I want, to, I have interest in, in, in being perceived by a, a male or not, like it, it just is nonstop. And, you know, and I, I have to be thankful that, you know, I guess I, I get maybe some attention. I don't know, but, <laughs> but it's like, you just sometimes want it to be turned off, you know, and at a certain age, you don't get looked at the same in the Midwest when you're not married, I feel like, or you don't get treated the same in the church, especially. And I mean, I have had relatives who are in their own way have said like, what, what's the matter with you? You know, and not to go to the far extreme of saying that, like, well, that makes me that, you know, but essentially like what's happening is, if you're not being taken care of in a relationship, in a union and taking care of another person, it seems like it could be assumed, especially in olden times when the word harlot was thrown around, like that could be an assumption that you're essentially like, you know, getting by without like committing in in a, in a way. And um, yeah, I mean, at the church, uh, at Reformed, I should say, we have a group of aerialists and for a while um, we had women that were working with poles and so you know you call them stripper poles or exercise poles you know ideally maybe but you know safe space for these women to be and practice and maybe do a performance i mean and then it becomes a dance it becomes very beautiful so yeah and i i just think I want to be free. I, I, freedom is such a top priority uh, for me as an artist. And so marriage maybe isn't gonna, ha I don't know if marriage will happen or not for me. I, I like to think it will, but um, yeah. So the harlot comment is like tongue in cheek, but also, you know, I can definitely relate to a woman who's like chosen work, like sex work, essentially. You reference a Protestant work ethic that you were taught early on. That to me suggests something about the labor of living. And sometimes we look for meaning in life as something that is given to us or it's uh, some sort of external destination that we can see and pick and, and we should head towards it. And I wonder if instead your lifelong artistic practice is an argument that you are seeking meaning through a a process of continual exploration. You are perpetually making meaning in your life by being an artist. I don't know if that's too abstract or even if it's accurate, but I, I don't know if that rings true with you at all. Mm, well, it makes me think of Candide and like the end where it's like, we'll just chop some wood and grow a garden, you know? I mean, that really is in a way where I, I wish to be like, just, you know, let's just work together to have our daily needs met. Um, and maybe we'll make a beautiful mosaic that we can put on the wall. That'll take us a year, but we'll do that too. You know, I, I feel like taking our time to make things is, could, could be so healing. Um, 
as a society. And um, I don't think you have to be an artist, you know. In any, I mean, you, I feel like anyone who's growing a garden or, you know, cooking their own food is an artist in their own right. Um, and so these daily practices of like slowing down and and creating whatever it is together creates more meaning and connection and um that was a lot of what inspired me to create these ridiculously large mosaics was mostly about working together and 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 creating relationship or or i guess reinforcing those relationships My guest today has been artist Rachel Ziegler. Rachel, thanks so much for being in relationship with me and the listeners today. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> Lives is brought to you on KIOS Omaha Public Radio and is produced by Courtney Beerman. The music you hear playing in and playing out is performed by Andrew Bailey. Podcasts of today's show and others can be found at livesradioshow.com or where you get your podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave a review. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week as we delve further into the practical and profound possibilities of living well. Thanks for listening.